Hello and welcome to another edition of the JWB Fantasy Football Podcast. Week four is in the books. He's Justin. I'm Wyatt. How's it going, man? It's going great. Hell of a weekend, huh? Put up a lot of points. I think we went undefeated on our teams. So solid showing out of us this weekend. Hopefully everybody else is ready to just kill it in that part of the year where, as we said earlier, the cream rises to the top. Buys and injuries are setting in. So this is go time. This is the best time of the year for me. Injuries, COVID, we got the bye week starting. It's You're right. This is where we separate the men from the boys. Mm-hmm. Let's get into week four. First off, Bill O'Brien has been fired. What are your thoughts on this? I'm actually really intrigued to see if this does anything for Watson and David Johnson, Will Fuller. How's it going to look there on offense? Maybe they take some more chances, look a little better. Uh, I think one thing I heard that I find to be very accurate, Wyatt, is that they're in a position where they have very good coordinators. So getting rid of Bill O'Brien now opens up the door that maybe they improve here in the next couple of weeks and look a bit better. So I'll be interested to see if, you know, like Romeo Cornell has a positive effect on this team. I'm always interested to see when we get these midseason coach firings um, to see if we get that, that spark the week after. You know, it, that tends to happen a lot where a coach gets fired and the team kind of rallies around uh, the coaching staff that's left and, and comes out and plays a good game. Yeah. Let's get to some injuries from week four. First, we've got Sony Michelle is going on the short-term IR with the quad injury. OJ Howard is now done for the year with a torn Achilles. Nick Chubb is roughly out six weeks with a sprained MCL. And Austin Eckler is expected to miss four to six weeks with a grade two hamstring injury. Justin, tell me what you think about these. I think they're all pretty serious injuries. All of them are worth a lot of consideration. So let's maybe dissect what we saw out of Damian Harris when we go over that game. I'm definitely curious about not what you think about Kareem Hunt, but the rest of the guys who may contribute in the Browns' backfield. Uh, And what you think this does for Josh Kelly. Yeah, I think we can hit on all these as we get into these games. Uh, Our first game was the Thursday night game, Denver at the Jets, which turned out into be somewhat of a shootout in some weird sloppy way. Um, Sam Darnold had that weird 46-yard touchdown run where it looked like the defense forgot to play for a minute there. He left the game, came back in, still didn't really play really well. Melvin Gordon had a fantastic game, which uh, I wasn't expecting, but I thought Philip Lindsay was going to be healthy for this game. But we kind of talked about it going into this game where Melvin Gordon was the only person we'd even consider out of these two teams. Yeah, I think that he was a lot better than expected. I'm starting to buy into him a little bit, but at the same time, I struggle because, like you said, I don't really know what I'm going to see out of him when Philip Lindsay is back. So I- I've seen actually a few leagues that I'm in where Melvin Gordon was traded for things that I would consider not worthy of his current value. So I think maybe if you're that guy, if Melvin Gordon is your third running back, for example, now's a good time to go out and flip him. His value shouldn't possibly get higher than it is right now. By the same token, if you're struggling and you're looking for somebody to buy into, I could see it being him. Not a whole lot else going on in the rest of these games. I still think that Crowder's playable on a week-to-week basis if you haven't, but outside of that, everybody else on both of these rosters is a no-go. Definitely agree about Crowder. Our next game was Indianapolis at Chicago. Real defensive battle here. Not a lot of offense. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed in... Jonathan Taylor's usage, he didn't really have much of a day. Neither did David Montgomery. I think we just got too much defense and not enough offense in this game. Well, I think a lot of that is because the Colts have low-key one of the best defenses in the league. So I'm starting to get nervous about playing players against the Colts. Uh, I wanted to verbalize that because I'm very interested to see if Kareem Hunt has a lackluster day against the Colts this weekend. Does Odell Beckham come back to earth against the Colts this weekend? So we may be evaluating having skill players going against the Colts as a very bad idea going forward. But again, it's tough to say here because this was our first real look at Nick Foles in Chicago, and we don't know what type of impact that had on the offense overall. But I was really disappointed with the Bears offense as just the whole entity was awful. Yeah, we did still get a good game out of Allen Robinson, which is nice to see. 
basically it's just encouraging that we know Nick Foles can get him the ball. That's true. What do you think about David Montgomery right now? Pretty much still feel the same way that we did coming into this week. We knew it was going to be a tough matchup. Um, he saw six targets. He dominated the touches from the backfield, but it was a tough matchup. Our next game is Jacksonville at Cincinnati. Cincinnati got its first win. Joe Mixon with the absolute breakout for this year. He had been disappointing up to this game, but he absolutely dominated against Jacksonville. And on Jacksonville's side, we got to see DJ Shark come back and had a fantastic game. Just under 100 yards, two touchdowns. Gardner Minshew got back on his game. We could see how much Shark means to that offense, being able to stretch the field and really open things up for everybody. Yeah, you really hit it for me there. I think that this is a offense where if the name is not James Robinson, they all have to be at full strength for them all to work the way that we expect them to work. I don't think they can afford to lose anybody in that wide receiving core and have things be as efficient. And that's okay. If we know that going forward, it gives us a predictable measure that we can utilize on the other side of things Cincinnati was yes really interesting with Joe Mixon now it's just still a question of are they going to utilize him like that I've seen him have really good games so we'll see now in a tough Baltimore matchup where they're playing from behind does Joe Mixon go back to nothing next week Um, more importantly for me I think the biggest takeaway that I had is that AJ Green might be dead There's just nothing coming out of that relationship with him and Burrow. And we've seen it now out of Higgins, and we've seen it out of Boyd, but we haven't seen it out of Green yet, and it's getting too late for me in particular to believe that we're going to see it at some point. I I think your analysis of what's happening there where Joe Burrow is just kind of taking these shots at A.J. Green, but they're really him just kind of somewhat throwing it away is absolutely what's happening. Um, Ian Harditz on Twitter actually posted something that – A.J. Green leads the league in most air yards left on the field. So the most amount of air yards without actually getting them. That's impressive. I didn't realize that, but that does make a lot of sense. I mean, I'm sure he's looking at Boyd and Higgins who don't have the most potent secondary weapon that the defense has to offer, and he's seeing bigger windows on those guys, and he's getting them the ball reliably. But all of that kind of brings down A.J. Green. So it could be good news for the Bengals' offense, bad news for fantasy owners. Next game is Cleveland at Dallas. Real quick, I just want to say a go Browns in there. Big win Let's for go. us. That's amazing. <laughs> Moving on to some fantasy, though. Um, I think from the very first run on the Browns offense, we knew that they were going to run the ball all over Dallas. They pushed their defensive line right off the ball with ease. And we saw a lot of that. Um, you talked about earlier about it's going to be interesting what happens after Kareem Hunt. Uh, I think Kareem Hunt is a top five running back moving forward at this point. Uh, I think that he will see about 20 touches a game, and Kareem Hunt on 20 touches a game behind this offensive line is going to produce a lot of fantasy value. And then behind him, Dearness Johnson looked really good with the carries he had um, in the second half. He looked really smooth. I think that he will probably still see 8 to 10 touches um, while Chubb is out. So I think there is some value there. I think he needs to be rostered at this point. On Dallas's side, we saw... The Browns defense playing prevent the entire second half and Dallas kind of just ate up yardage and touchdowns until it got too close for comfort and the Browns had to try and put some more points on the board. But I don't think anything in Dallas surprised us. This is like what they are at this point. They're kind of like the Atlanta Falcons. They might even be better or worse, depending on the way you look at it, than the Falcons at this point where they can't stop anybody and they can put up as much offense as possible. Yeah, they're a bigger fantasy factory by the looks of it at this point. Um, So a couple of things. I think everything you have there is exactly correct. I do think that just the mere fact that we saw when the chips were down and the game was important and they were on the fly trying to figure out their best way to win, that the Browns still really did feel like a two-running back system was the way to go. That says a lot about what Johnson's role should be in the coming weeks when they can actually work him into a game plan. The... Uh, the comps that he was getting to Alvin Kamara at certain points, the fact that that makes sense, I think says a lot about Johnson as well. That's an exciting waiver pickup for the week. Um, And I think you're right, man. On the other side, it's just that we reliably know, especially for people who go heavy on DFS, that Dallas knows that their defense is so bad that two-minute drills, even at the end of halves where they may be up by two or three touchdowns, they're just constantly pushing the ball because they don't have choice. And everybody in that offensive side of the ball is viable because of it, and that is a nice thing to know for fantasy owners. Our next game is New Orleans at Detroit, which I 
when you look at the score, you think, oh, this had to have been like a shootout. But when you look at like the box score and you watch like the, the game, it didn't really seem that way. I don't know. This game was like an ugly game that ended up having high scores. Uh, I didn't yeah. really believe anything that I saw here. I don't know if I would go that far. I think it was just that at any given moment, one of the offenses was just light years ahead of what was going on on the defense, and then it just flipped for no rhyme or reason, and then it flipped back again. So Detroit looked really good at the beginning. I will say what little bits of this game I did get to see when I went to watch some footage here, Wyatt, is that Detroit looks substantially better when they make a just full-on effort to understand that they have to go through Kenny Galladay. And I've seen them do that a lot more in the past two weeks as he has shown like that he is healthy and he is ready to go. So I, I think much like we just talked about with some of the other teams here that when they're at full strength with Galladay healthy, you can expect a little bit more about everybody else on the offense. Um, the Saints, however, are just very enigmatic. Like I, I went from thinking – that Drew Brees should have retired to thinking that he was just fine to thinking that he should retire. Like it just ebbs and flows back and forth. We are starting to hit the point for me, at least I think I said this last week too, or maybe you did that. If it's not Alvin Kamara, I think I'm fully out on that offense. And now I really just want to see Michael Thomas come back and find out if that puts all of these saints offensive pieces back where they should be. And everything starts to pick up. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, once Michael Thomas is there, I'll, I can start to believe again in some of, some of it. Like, I mean, I never stopped doubting Kamar. It's just I don't think Breeze is good anymore. So when I see these numbers, I just don't actually believe it. Yeah, yeah, it was really strange. And he did look terrible. And then all of a sudden, for a 15-minute period, it was unreal. <laughs> Our next game is Seattle at Miami where Russ continued to cook, but, you know, more of a simmer this time. Only 360 yards through the air and two touchdowns, and even threw a pick in this one, which is not very common anymore for that man. On the other side, we saw Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of have a, a normal game for him. 300 yards, two interceptions, but managed to run for 47 and a touchdown. Like, he still got you fantasy production, but it's ugly as hell. Devontae Parker had a great game with 10 receptions for 110 yards, which you expected to see against that defense. Uh, and, oh, and my last note is that uh, Chris Carson must be Superman because I have no idea how he came back for this game and got 100 total yards and two touchdowns. I agree. Chris Carson is having a substantially better season than I thought he was going to coming into this year. I'm still worried that as other people get healthy on that offense, that it's going to have a negative impact on him when the chips are down and it matters towards the end of the season when it's one and done. But for now, he seems really, 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 really good. Uh, I'm not worried about the lack of offensive production from the receiving game in Seattle. I think that was just a product of kind of how this one game went. I think everybody there is going to be just fine. On the other side, the only other takeaway I'll give you for the Dolphins is that as we move into bye weeks and have a lot of these injuries mounting, I really think that if you're in a league that pays you for catches, either half or full PPR, that you can just go ahead and play Miles Gaskin at this point. He definitely seems like he's going to be able to give you five, six, seven points a game and have some stability when you're in a pinch, and that's valuable at this point of the year. Yeah, I definitely think I think he's right outside RB two range at this point. I think I think he's just a flex. He's like a a, a, a low ceiling, high floors flex at this point. Yeah, honestly, I'm already evaluating a decision this week that I think is very interesting where I'm wondering if Leonard Fournette is announced as, let's just say hypothetically, perfectly healthy, and I'm looking at Miles Gaskin, Ronald Jones, or either of Daryl Henderson or Malcolm Brown, and do I not just take Gaskin, know that I'm going to get my seven or eight points, and on we go. And it's interesting that he's worked himself into that consideration because he wasn't on anyone's radar until after the season started. Our next game is the Chargers at Tampa Bay, where Tom Brady put on a clinic, throwing for five touchdowns. Justin Herbert, not too far behind him, throwing for three himself. A lot of offense in this game, which I don't think anybody really saw coming because these are two very good defenses, especially for Tampa Bay. Ronald Jones ended up having a good game in Leonard Fournette's absence, although he did have a few drop passes, so it'll be interesting to see what happens this week, depending on Fournette's health. And we talked about Austin Eckler's injury in this game. He's going to be out for a while. Uh, Josh Kelly looked not great in his absence, though it was against Tampa Bay. I kind of believe that 
the Chargers have been and always will be a two-back system. I think that Kelly and Justin Jackson are going to split time. I think it will lean towards Joshua Kelly, but he's not just going to walk into some 20-touch game role. I agree with that completely. I think both of these guys are more likely to turn into pumpkins because of just the overall drop that they're going to take from not having Eckler there. Uh, I do not love what I've seen out of Herbert and Hunter Henry to this point. So people who had invested in Hunter Henry, like me, may be very worried where they have him. Uh, Keenan Allen is the only facet of that offense that I really, really love and trust right now. Uh, And things look like they're starting to roll in Tampa Bay. We're not going to learn anything new about the backfield. Didn't Keyshawn Vaughn catch a touchdown in this game? Yeah. So, I mean, this is exactly what I had said and have been saying the whole time. You're never going to know. But I am very interested to see how that passing game starts to click without O.J. Howard. I'm going to stand by the fact that Gronk might be something valuable to own by the time we get to fantasy playoffs, where he may be utilized in a certain red zone way that makes him efficient. But right now, Gronk is never going to get a red zone target over Mike Evans. They do functionally the same thing, except Mike Evans is doing it better. I don't know what they're going to look like with Chris Godwin. We don't think we're going to see him this week, but it's interesting because I now definitely think that people who want to flex Scotty Miller, for example, should feel even better about that because OJ Howard is not there. It's just, it's interesting to see how they really picked up the passing game almost just solely in like the second half of this game and boom, off they went. Well, and they still do have Cameron Brait, who caught a touchdown in this game as well. I don't Always think, been reliable. Yeah, he's reliable. He's not O.J. Howard, but he's a reliable pass catcher. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this, how this moves forward for that offense. Our next game is Baltimore at Washington. And honestly, this game didn't go quite how I thought it was. The, the final score looks about right, but Lamar Jackson didn't put up too many numbers. The backfield was still a mess. Not a lot of offense there. Uh, Dwayne Haskins managed to throw for 300 yards and not throw any interceptions, which was weird. Uh, But I think we got the breakout game from Antonio Gibson here. Got another rushing touchdown and also got way involved in the passing game. Had, I believe, over 80 yards receiving in this game. So I loved seeing that, especially against a team like Baltimore. I think he's officially in the RB2 moving forward status. He was kind of on the line there. I think he's solidly there now. I agree. I think that he's starting to solidify his role in a way that is going to make it so that you can use him more often and expect to get these sort of numbers out of him. The floor has come up substantially from where it was a few weeks ago. Uh, I definitely think that Baltimore was not playing very hard in this game. I know that's a terrible thing to accuse an NFL franchise of, but I just feel like they never took it out of second gear at any point and they didn't need to. Uh, If they were able to put up enough points to be ahead and have a comfortable lead by the time it got to winning time at the end of the game. And I think that's part of the reason that we saw what we saw from there. Uh, Mark Andrews came back into the offense more than he had the past couple of weeks where he only had a few points. So I know his owners love to see that. Um, But I think that I am now willing, this is probably my big takeaway here. I, I think I'm now willing to just go ahead and take all the pieces and parts of Baltimore's backfield and just essentially put them in the same category as the Bucks where you never know what is and isn't going to work on a week-to-week basis. I have no idea if Mark Ingram's going to get 10 touches, 15 touches. Is he going to get one by the goal line? Is Gus Edwards going to get it? Does J.K. Dobbins come in and get some work? Who catches passes? For what reason? It, it, does nobody get any work? Because Lamar Jackson's right. There's, just, there's too many questions that can't be answered about all the running game portions of Baltimore. And that's a shame because they're such a great running team. It just doesn't. I don't see a means for a fantasy team to capitalize off of that. Except for Lamar Jackson. You're never going to be comfortable starting any of those running backs there. Our next game is Arizona at Carolina. And I'm honestly getting really disappointed with Arizona at this point. I think we kind of got tricked week one when they beat San Francisco because they really have not played particularly well in the past couple weeks. This is another game that I think got away from them. I think the big story here was though DeAndre Hopkins probably was not actually healthy enough to play. Um, they had to throw everything near the line of scrimmage. They couldn't stretch the field at all. Christian Kirk was also hurt coming into this game and played through it. Uh, and basically, Carolina was able to just tighten up the defense because they knew that Arizona was basically playing horizontally. They couldn't move up the field at all. Uh, I'm seriously worried about Kenyon Drake. I'm not sure you can even play him at this point. He's looked so bad. And the fact that Chase Edmonds is getting the majority of the passing work for the backfield and honestly just looks better than Kenyon Drake. On Carolina's side, 
I think we just have to realize that Robbie Anderson is a wide receiver one there and DJ Moore is the wide receiver two. Now, that could mean good things for both of them, but I think we have to stop thinking about DJ Moore as a possible wide receiver one. Yeah, all of his wide receiver one analysis was predicated off of things we'd seen him do with guys that were not Teddy Bridgewater. We simply just said that we expected him to profile as a good Teddy Bridgewater target based on what we saw out of New Orleans. None of that has carried over. So they're going to have to forge their own relationship. The good news is that they've done it for at least one game where he had a great game. And at least in full PPR, you're getting a stable enough floor had a DJ more that it's worth it to go after what could be a much higher ceiling. So this is not like an AJ Green level of panic, but there is a level of panic. I would advise everyone to just hold him for the moment because you can't get anything of value for him right now. Um, I do think on the other side of the ball, as far as Arizona is concerned, that you know we're going to get into our preview soon, but none of anything that we just said matters for that because they have the Jets this week, so we can throw out all of their offensive woes for one week next week and then assess what happens afterwards. Um, but I do wonder, and this is my bigger hesitation, it's just I know the Jets can't take advantage of this. It's been a couple weeks. I mean, it's an air raid offense. It's a gimmicky offense. That's what it's predicated off of. That has never sustained in the NFL in any tries. It has just never worked long term. Our next game is Minnesota at Houston. As we talked about before, Bill O'Brien got fired after this loss for Houston. Um, Deshaun Watson actually played pretty good in this game. Uh, this was kind of like a middling shootout in a way, where there was a good amount of offense, not a lot of defense, but it wasn't too high scoring. Um, David Johnson had another decent game, but nothing too exciting. He's still seeing the majority of the touches there, which is nice. Will Fuller had a good game. Brandon Cooks was nowhere to be found. On Minnesota's side, Dalvin Cook had another very good game, and Adam Thielen continued his success with another 100-yard touchdown game. And then Justin Jefferson went over 100 yards again. I, I think he is just a thing now. I agree. I don't know that that means I'm ready to play him over – normal traditional wide receiver flex options right so most teams where you and i would draft very skill heavy teams dj shark would represent a normal flex for us and then i know there are a lot of teams where someone like Devonte parker may be a regular flex level player i don't think i have justin jefferson ahead of those guys yet but he went from not being on the radar to just behind that set of guys very quickly uh because i think that the Vikings are realizing that their path to success lies from utilizing Jefferson and Thielen together in this manner. It benefits Thielen, it benefits Cook, it makes it easier on Cousins. And if they can stick to that, they should be good to go. And I expect them to at least try to stick to that for the next couple of weeks, which is good news for playing them, especially during bye weeks when you have to. Uh, Houston, we'll see, like you said, that you could get lightning in a bottle from the coaching chain. So if I'm trying to play David Johnson or Deshaun Watson or Will Fuller next week, I, I'm probably okay with it. Our next game is the Giants at Rams and what was probably the most puzzling game of the week for me because I don't know what happened to the Rams. I heard that Part of the reason why they implemented the offense they did is that the Giants were uh, blitzing a lot. So the Rams were keeping Malcolm Brown in because he's the better pass blocker. And they they kind of ran this offense basically just to protect Goff. And it amounted to basically nothing. Outside of a 55-yard touchdown for Cooper Cup, there basically wasn't offense in this game. So I think this is actually really good. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Just like we just said with the Vikings and a couple other teams about figuring out who you are, I think the Rams got away from their identity big time this week, and they tried to be something that they weren't to take advantage of what is perceived to be a really bad Giants defense. One, I don't think the Giants defense is as bad as people think it is. Two... I think that this is a good reminder for Sean McVay that he has to play to his strengths and do what he does well. And the way that they were utilizing Woods and Cup and Henderson against Buffalo in particular, it, none of that was present in this game. And I do expect him to be the type of person to reflect upon the results of this particular endeavor and correct from it. So I'm not giving Rams players a drop from what I saw this week. I'm just hoping that I see next week what I expect to see from them, not what I saw from this week. And the Giants have no relevant pieces. That's terrible for them. They're not a good football team. 
Moving on to Buffalo at Las Vegas, where Josh Allen continued his attempt to be the number one QB in fantasy, throwing for two touchdowns and running for another. On Vegas' side, I think we're seeing the effects of them not having Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs. While granted not necessarily great options, them not being there to stretch the field is enabling defenses to just crowd the line, stop Josh Jacobs, and basically dare Derek Carr to beat him over the top, which we know that he won't do. Yeah, and it's really limited the ceiling on all those players. Makes me nervous about Jacobs. It makes me nervous about Waller going forward. Uh, I do think that you can potentially think about sitting Jacobs in tough matchups for the moment. You can definitely sit Waller in tough matchups for the moment. They just need a few more pieces to really be more relevant um and then buffalo just continues to look matchup proof kind of good to me i can't really see any scenarios where i don't want Diggs and brown and allen even singletary looks a lot better than i thought he was going to look now we got to temper that with what happens when zach moss is back but buffalo is just clicking it's crazy for, for any scoring system that rewards you for catching passes, I don't think you can sit Darren Waller because he's still just getting all these short passes and he's catching so many of them that he'll still have value there. But, yeah, if you're in standard scoring, I don't know about Waller at this point. Yeah, it's rough. I and mean, I didn't think we'd be in a should-he-sit conversation at any point. I understand he's going to have weeks where he's not as good as he's going to be on others, but it's just they don't have enough to trouble defenses right now. Our next game is Philadelphia at San Francisco, and Philly managed to get a win. Granted, against it, it was against one of the probably most injured teams in the NFL. Carson Wentz still didn't look good. He's kind of making up for it a little bit at this point just with his running ability, but the offense still just looks terrible. Really, they won this game because they got a defensive touchdown and picked off San Francisco three times in this game. San Francisco... You know, what's to say that Nick Mullins didn't look great, then C.J. Beathard came in at one point. Really, the only thing here is that uh, George Kittle came back and he was an absolute monster. Yeah, that almost cost me too, but he is very good and he's going to continue to prove that regardless of who is the quarterback there, he is that good. Um, on the other side, man, what the hell is going on with Miles Sanders? It's hard to say. I Part of it, I think, is the offensive line not playing well. Part of it, I think, at this point is that they're not using him properly. Uh, you would think in a team devoid of receiving options, you'd want to get Miles Sanders involved in the receiving game as much as possible, but they don't seem to be doing that. I, and I can't understand for the life of me why. So I, that, I'm getting nervous about that one too, just because I think the team itself is very disappointing. Uh, but they're not, they're not behaving the way that we predict they're going to behave in certain matchups, and that makes it impossible to tell who to sit and who not to, and that's no good. Uh, it just is very – it's very alarming, and, I, like, we don't have a lot of these guys personally, but that whole second-round section of the draft where Drake and Eckler and Sanders were bunched together is just falling apart, and that's a shame. So I don't know. Are you – I guess let's put Drake in this conversation too. Are you trying to buy low on these guys after what you've seen, or are you even too worried to do that? It depends on what buying low is at this point. Like um, you're going to trade OBJ for Miles Sanders heads up. I would trade OBJ for Miles Sanders heads up. Is it just because the Browns are low volume passing offense? It's positional. Um, OBJ is wide receiver two. I think Miles Sanders is an RB2. It's just that RB2s are harder to come by than wide receiver twos. I mean, Ridley was getting picked like three rounds after these guys. Would you trade Ridley for Drake or Sanders? Even after a goose egg like he just had, it's tough. It would depend on team makeup at that point. I think if I didn't need the position, it didn't matter what position it was, I would say no. But if I needed the running back, then yes. What about, like, Diggs? Diggs was even after Ridley. Usually about a round or so after Ridley. Uh, same analysis as Ridley there. Oh, I think I agree, too. Do you think that if you have a guy like Robbie Anderson, for example, who's exploded almost out of nowhere, that you would try to flip him for one of these guys if you could happen to pull off a trade like that? If I could do that, I definitely would, because Robbie Anderson okay. is a guy you probably got in the double-digit rounds. So he's probably your wide receiver four or five. So... You don't need, actually need him in in, uh, in all likelihood. 
any running backs that were lower valued that you would try and flip for some of these guys? Would you do James Robinson for Miles Sanders? Ooh, that's a tough one. That's like an undrafted pickup, but I'm kind of with you. At this you. point, I don't, I don't think I would. I would. That's crazy. But okay, interesting. I just like to get your thoughts on some of those sort of issues. Our next game is New England at Kansas City. I don't know. I don't feel like there's much to say about this game because without Cam Newton, the New England offense didn't look particularly great. I think that my only note for them is that Damian Harris looked pretty good. He ran for 100 yards. He had a 41-yard run, which was great to see. Um, I know that Sony Michelle had been looking better than he had in the past, but I would say that Damian Harris probably looked more explosive than Sony Michelle has looked this year. On Kansas City, you know, Kansas City, what Kansas City does. Yeah, they did. And I guess, to be fair, we have to remember that we're talking about New England. So I thought Damian Harris looked really, really good too. And if he happens to be available in leagues, which in most good leagues he's not going to be, but if he is, he's definitely worth being one of the guys you try and pick up for this week. Uh, It's just, we've seen the story before, right? Like he had a wonderful game and he looked great against Kansas City. He seemed like he was a threat to give you a big play at any given moment, which means next week the Patriots will probably give him six carries and they'll have 12 yards and be a non-factor. So uh, who knows? I don't, I'll never believe that they're just going to have one guy they're going to consistently give it to until I see it, but it is intriguing. Um, My other takeaway here is that that defense is substantially better than I thought they were going to be with all of the COVID decimation that they had. So I think that the Patriots offensive pieces are not really playable if Cam Newton does not make it back in time for next week. Uh, But you really have to take a long, hard look at who you're playing against this defense right now. The final game from week four was Atlanta at Green Bay, where Aaron Rodgers continued to absolutely dominate. Uh, And we got Robert Tanyan catching three touchdowns quietly. Well, maybe not so quietly now, has five touchdowns on the year. What do you feel about Robert Tanyan? I feel like when they're at full strength, he's going to go away, so don't waste your time or effort on this. Uh, If Devontae Adams isn't going to play next week, you could play him next week, but I don't even know if he won't play next week. He didn't seem happy he didn't play this week, so it's tough to say what's going on there. Also, they're on a bye, so now that I think about this, by the time we get to week six, you can almost guarantee – that Devontae Adams is ready to go. I don't think when this offense is at full strength that he's going to continue to really be that viable for you out of the tight end position. So don't don't go out and blow a huge free agent budget on him now when he's on a bye this week and then might be useless by week six. Um, what I thought was really, really interesting was that because of the injuries that had occurred everywhere, there were quite a few really interesting plays in this game where all three backs were on the field. Did you see any of those? Mm-hmm. Almost like one on each side and Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams behind. Just the way that they lined up positionally, some of the formations, the play calling, they're making it so much easier on Aaron Rodgers than I've seen them do in the past couple of years. And that was really impressive to me in particular. It makes me feel like he isn't even performing at his ceiling right now for the year. So I would love to go out and get Aaron Rodgers in every team that you possibly could uh, at the moment. It just the way that that offense is clicking is just very, very impressive to me. Um, on the other side, I, I don't know, man. I don't – he could not have been healthy. Like, Ridley can't be healthy and put up a zero, right? He, there had to be something else going on there. Yeah, I, I feel like that there was all the receiving options. You know, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and – Russell Gage was coming off the concussion. I I think that none of those guys are really, really ready for this game. I agree. I, I don't know what I I don't know what to take away from that. Like Julio didn't even finish the game, so who knows what's gonna happen there. I, I there's no way to me that Ridley could have been healthy. I think the fact that there were a lot of other missing pieces here and there and guys that were banged up just threw the whole offense as a whole out of whack. Um, Again, this is now a couple weeks in a row that Gurley is looking like he can be a viable weekly option for you. I know after like week two or whatever, people were immediately ready to panic and bail on him, but he looks like he's going to be just fine. At least to me, I think that you shouldn't have any worries about Gurley going forward. Yeah, I I think with Gurley, I mean, we knew he was going to be the goal line back. We knew this is a team that can put up points. It's maybe not going to be pretty, you know, but 
who cares if he only runs for 50 yards if he's punching in a touchdown every game? Yeah. All right, let's move on to week five. We've got our first buys of the – well, official buys of the year with <laughs> Detroit and Green Bay. Our Thursday night game is Tampa Bay at Chicago. I'm really hoping to see this Tom Brady resurgence come through against Chicago, who's actually you know, a pretty good defense. We need to remember, I, I think people tend to forget that Chicago is actually still a good defense. They're not quite as good they were a couple years ago. Uh, we need to watch the health of the Tampa Bay receivers. We're recording on Tuesday. I know that none of their receivers practiced today. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see who they have actually available to them on Thursday. On Chicago's side, you're always keeping an Allen Robinson. Unfortunately, we keep talking up Dave Montgomery, but I don't know if you can play him this week. If anything, you can play him just based on volume, but I, I don't know how good that volume will be for him. I think you nailed it. It's not a week where I'd be rolling out David Montgomery. I actually am going to go, uh, like I would mentioned earlier, with a guy like Miles Gaskin over David Montgomery just because I don't think this matchup favors him. Uh, and I'm not entirely sure that Nick Foles favors him the way that I hoped uh, that he would. So we'll see. Remember, right, Brady didn't look that good in week one. We all thought, what in the hell is wrong with Tampa Bay's offense? They took a couple of weeks. Now they look amazing, and we're expecting them to come out with almost a ridiculously banged up pass-catching core and be really good on Thursday, right? Like, that's what you just said. Nick Foles is going into his second week in the Chicago offense. Let's treat this as if last week was week one for the Bears, and they had a rough week one, and now they got to take some time and figure things out. So we're not going to panic on guys like Anthony Miller Nick Foles, David Montgomery, we're just going to relax here, give them a couple weeks to get their feet under them, and then see where we stand. It just, even though you're going into week five where you may have some people on a bye, you should understand that this is a brand new offense, and that's going to make guys like David Montgomery not great options for this week, even though they should still hold long-term value. Our next game is Carolina at Atlanta. We need to watch the health of the Atlanta receivers going into this game. We saw how much that can affect their offense on Monday night. So without really knowing how those guys are looking for this week, it's hard to really give full analysis on them. I'm still playing Todd Gurley as an RB2. If Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley are playing, it's hard to not have them in your lineup at this point. On Carolina... Uh, I'm going to put my faith into DJ Moore for one more week against a very vulnerable pass defense for, in Atlanta. I think you still need to play, play Robbie Anderson. Mike Davis has been killing it. He's basically a borderline RB1 right now while CMC is out. True. And if you're on streamer watch, this is a week for Teddy Bridgewater. I agree. I mean, I, I'm with you, man. That's a pretty much what I was going to say. Is I, <laughs> Listen, like Atlanta, Atlanta's a fantasy factor. I'm playing everybody. Honestly, I'm playing everybody, both sides of the ball in this game, with no hesitations whatsoever. Anderson, Moore, Davis, I will play everyone in this game because I just think that's what's going to happen in Atlanta games and Dallas games, and that's okay. Yeah. Our next game is Buffalo at Tennessee. I'm excited for this game because I want to see what's going to happen between Ryan Tannehill and Josh Allen, who... Josh Allen is basically one of the most efficient quarterbacks in football now, and Ryan Tannehill has been that guy. I want to see how these teams are going to match up against each other, which, which weapons they're going to try and take out from each team. We have to watch and see if we're going to get A.J. Brown this week. I'm hoping to see him on the field sometime soon. If he plays, I don't know if I'm going to play him this week because he'll probably draw Tredavious White, and he's coming off the injury. Uh, I'm in for John Smith. I think he's going to tear it up across the middle. You're always playing Derrick Henry. On Buffalo's side, you're always playing Stephon Diggs at this point. We need to watch Zach Moss's health because while he's been out, Devin Singletary has been very good. If he's playing, it kind of hurts Devin Singletary's stock. And you can always consider flexing John Brown and maybe even Cole Beasley. Ooh, I don't know if I would go as far as Cole Beasley, but definitely John Brown. Definitely you, John Brown. Did you know point. Cole Beasley was on pace for 1,000 yards? I mean, that's fine. It doesn't mean that I want to put him in a flex position. Again, like none of your teams should have a guy like hey, Devontae Parker as we anything. We got injuries, bye player. weeks, COVID. Times are tough. 
I guess maybe, but there, I mean, no, 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 no. We're not, <laughs> we're Colby is not flexing on a good team in week five. Come on. Uh, I, I think you're spot on though, as far as the analysis goes for this game. Um, I'm just going, I'm just going to go ahead and then say on record so I can be crucified for it later. Uh, if AJ Brown is healthy and suits up and plays in this game, this is the Bills' first loss. Ooh, I like it. Our next game is Las Vegas at Kansas City. This should be another trouncing for Kansas City, honestly. I don't know if they're going to lose a game this year. Uh, play all your guys for Kansas City. I don't even that we're going to say that every week. Uh, on Vegas, with, with reason, we're not talking Sammy sure, Watkins. Sure. We're yeah, not yeah. playing McCole Hardman. But that's one analysis. place where I'll tell you, Cole Be like Cole Beasley should be ahead of like McCole Hardman. Yeah. So I, those guys are not in flex consideration, but yeah, but right. Like Edward Tiller, Mahomes, Kelsey. Yeah, like the, the studs. You're rolling them out, and they're going to do great. Um, I don't. I don't know how I feel about the other side. I mean, again, this is kind of what I meant when I was referring to sitting Josh Jacobs in the recap section. Uh, that's really the only thing I think we even need to talk about for Vegas. I mean, what do you think, man? Like, the Kansas City can load the box and stop the run, and it's entirely possible that with no receiving core, the ability to pound the ball with Josh Jacobs isn't a viable option before halftime. Uh, so he could have... You could have a 40, 50 point game with not that many catches for me this week. And that makes me nervous. I can't take Josh Jacobs out of my lineup. He's way too talented to take him out. Um, I will have to live with the fact that he might have another disappointing week because I'm not going to miss it when he has a great game. Kansas City's rushing defense isn't particularly great, but it's just like what you said, where teams are able to load the box against the, uh, against Vegas because of their offensive makeup currently. But I, I couldn't live with myself if I took Josh Jacobs out and he had a, had a good game. I just don't know. Let's say you took Josh Jacobs at the end of the first round and Kenyon Drake at the beginning of the second round, and at some point you drafted Kareem Hunt in 5, 6, 7, 8, and you could only play two of those guys. You're telling I'd, me that I'd you're going to sit Kenyon Drake against the New York football Jets? Uh, yeah. That's wild. I mean, I'm glad we differ on that just to give people some different insight, but that's what I mean. Like, if if you got really good receivers, like, I could see some issues this week when it comes to him. So um, maybe you're right. Maybe yeah. at the end of the day, his floor is still going to always be five, six, seven, eight, and with a chance to hit a much higher number. I just – I worry about them coming into this game as banged up if they've been. Um, I didn't love – some of the things that I heard uh, from Derek Carr after the game or today and some things that I read. It just it doesn't appear to me like everybody's on the same page there after they took a couple losses. It's just one of those teams where it starts to go really well. They win games like they did in the first couple of weeks, and it's great. Then all of a sudden, you know, they have a bad showing here and a bad showing there, and it's like everything goes the complete opposite direction. They're very Jekyll and Hyde to me. Yeah, well, you know, I think those first couple of weeks were a little bit of a fraud for for the Raiders. I think they fooled people a little bit into making people think they were a better team than they really were. That's kind of what they did last year, and they almost made the playoffs. So it just is. But, I mean, that's the nature of an 8-8 eight and eight team in football, isn't it? Like, yeah. one week they're going to be great. The next week you're going to be like, what the hell happened? So it just it is what it is. The next game we have is Arizona at the Jets, and there's nothing like the Jets to set you back on the right track for Arizona. For the Jets, the only player I'm willing to play is Jameson Crowder. He is probably a flex receiver at this point. For Arizona, you play Kyler Murray, you play DeAndre Hopkins. We just talked about Kenyon Drake. I, I would still play him, uh, but I'm only playing him as an RB2, and I'm not feeling particularly great about it, even against the Jets. He is competing for touches, with Chase Edmonds at this point, and Kenyon Drake has not looked good. Some of that's not his fault. Some of that is the offense. They're not putting him in a position to win, and they're not involving him in the pass game. 
I can't I don't can't figure out at all why that's the case, but I I don't think he really needs a ton of work to be good against the Jets, and I think that's gonna go a long way to help everybody here. Uh, it's one of two things, man. They've either looked bad the past couple weeks because people are figuring out that offense, like I suggested earlier, or like you said, they were banged up. Either way, the Jets are not talented enough personnel or coaching staff wise to take advantage of understanding how that offense runs and manipulating it. They just aren't good. Uh, and if Arizona was a little bit banged up, I think that any any offensive personnel in the National Football League at 80% is better than the Jets at 100. Uh, so whichever way you prefer here, they should all have great games. Um, and I love Crowder, obviously. I think this is another sort of game where, especially against this air raid offense, that the clock should get stretched out a lot. And that's going to mean there's more offensive possessions for the Jets than we might normally see, which means a lot more opportunity for a guy like Crowder. Uh, I also think that in a way the Cardinals have been so rough on the defensive side of the ball recently that I can't really fault anybody for maybe even looking at a guy like Darnold as a DFS option or a real deep streaming sort of option on a team. It, his running game was also impressive to me, despite the fact that the Jets are terrible. So I do wonder if maybe we see a pretty decent game out of Darnold here in a losing effort where Arizona jumps ahead and he's got all the ability to throw the ball with some decent effectiveness to Crowder and run a little bit and be viable. Who knows? Quick question. How many minutes yeah. after this game does Gase get fired? None, because this is the exact opposite of Houston. Right, like you in Houston, you make the move and you're like, hey, we have these awesome coordinators to step in and see if we can get something out of them. What the hell are the Jets gonna do? <laughs> like, they they gave all of the power to Adam Gase, and the only thing that they have there are many versions of Adam Gase that are worse. There's no way for them to get rid of him and somehow improve. So I I just think that that they're gonna let him hang around for the year, even though they shouldn't. If this was my franchise he wouldn't make it out of the locker room after the game. Next up, we've got the Battle of Pennsylvania with Philadelphia at Pittsburgh. How bad do you think Carson Wentz is going to do against this Pittsburgh defense? I think it's going to be abysmal. I don't think Miles Sanders is going to have a good game. I don't think Carson Wentz is going to have a good game. I think it's going to be a train wreck all around. Uh, I think maybe on the other side of the ball that there's some options there that make a lot of sense. This should be a great game for James Conner after some rest. Uh, this should be a decent game for Roethlisberger to have good enough numbers. Uh, Deontay should be back and healthy. Is that accurate? That is accurate. I really like him. I'd like to see him emerge a little bit in this particular game as well. Uh, I just have seen them not look good in a lot of questionable matchups. You know, they hung around with San Francisco. They pulled it out. They hung around with the Bengals. They tied it up. They hung around with Washington, and they lost. Now I think they're going to run into a team that's just going to break the wheels off of it and just send them home crying. Yeah, I'm playing all the guys that I have on Pittsburgh. I think they're going to have a really good game against the Eagles. Uh, for the Eagles, I at this point, I would still only I'd only play Miles Sanders. I don't think I'm even play, really playing Zach Ertz at this point because like he hasn't looked good at all. I would I'd, I would just have to put my faith in that they will realize that they have Miles Sanders back there and they need to get him involved more and he's going to touch the ball plenty. But even if he does, how effective is that going to be against a Steelers defense that strength is in stopping guys like Miles Sanders? It's true. It's true. It's tough, but I I'm going to stick with him for this week. Our next game is the Rams at Washington. Do you think Dwayne Haskins is going to make it through this season? Oh, I don't know. That's tough. I don't know if there's anything behind him that matters. Do you really think they'd go to Alex Smith? Well, actually, I think they'd go to uh, Kyle Allen and just keep Alex Smith on the bench. But Kyle yeah, but Allen... I don't care about that. Like, if it's not the feel-good story of Alex Smith, they could get on <laughs> out of here. It's just... I, it's just the reason that you asked that question, it's intriguing to me, is because all of the indications are that Ron Rivera is not in with him at all. 
And as long as this question persists, where you and I can have this debate about him, I do think it kind of makes it so that the only thing we can really do here is play Antonio Gibson. Uh, in good matchups, obviously, you can use McLaurin because he's just so talented, but you're going to have to stomach bad days out of him every once in a while to do that. Yeah, well, you know, McLaurin had a bad matchup last week, and he performed extremely well. So he, mm -hmm. he may be approaching the ability to play through any matchup. On the Rams side... I don't know if you can start a running back from that team reliably. Cam Akers is supposed to be healthy this week, which further muddles that situation. But I like everyone the Rams passing offense. I do too. I need to see something out of Higby for real. The massive hot and cold streak that he's on is no good. Um, but I do think this is the type of game where he ought to be able to, to do something. Um, I do think that Cooper Cup has got a shot to have a good game here. Uh, and I actually think that Robert Wood should have a really good game too. The reason for all of this is because I do expect that Washington understands they got to bring the heat. They can get to Goff and they can hit Goff for sure. That's got to be the model that they're looking at on defense. So I think guys like Higby and Woods, who are going to spend a lot of time over the middle and in the slot, uh, have every opportunity to get some good looks here when the – uh, ball is coming out quickly. But on the other side, I think these rushing attempts that we've seen out of Robert Woods is a good way to offset some of the pass rush as well. Uh, and I think McVay is going to mix a lot of that in. Um, but I also think that that does mean that in an effort to keep this offense looking balanced, that Henderson and Brown are going to get a split of work like we saw. I don't know how effective either of them is going to be. And all of that is assuming that Akers isn't in there taken five to 10 snaps away from them as well. So I am kind of sitting out on this backfield now, right? We Brown was great. Henderson was great. We're yet to see them do it multiple times. Um, this is a week where I'd be, like you said, I'd be taking the week off on the backfield. Our next game is Cincinnati at Baltimore. For Baltimore, it's pretty easy. It's going to be the same way every week. You play Lamar Jackson, you play Mark Andrews, you could maybe flex Marquise Brown, and you kind of just have to avoid their backfield. On Cincinnati's side, I like Joe Mixing, although you may have to temper your expectations, you know, after the explosion he had last week. He's probably not going to do that against Baltimore, but he should still see enough work to be serviceable. I like Tyler Boyd in this game, and I basically just like Tyler Boyd uh, moving forward as a low-end wide receiver two or high-end flex. But I'm not really touching anybody else in this game, I don't think. I, I don't think Burrow's going to have quite the numbers in this game to be streamable for this week. Really? I think they're going to have to put up a ton of points. Do you think he's going to have turnovers? I Yeah, I, I think that it's just going to be too tough on him trying to put up points for him to have the best fancy day. I think I he's going to be, gonna go the other be way. right outside the top 10. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say he finishes seven because I think he's good enough to get the yardage and a couple touchdowns to make it look really good. Um, I actually think this is going to be quite a good game because I think the Ravens are struggling to get into top gear right now. I think that's why that was such a weird game against Washington this weekend. Uh, so I, I think the Bengals have no defense, uh, no defensive ability to stop Baltimore. I actually would feel pretty good about playing Marquise Brown this week if I needed to do that because of uh, injury or a bye week. Um, but I think Cincinnati's going to toss the ball around and have some half-decent effectiveness with it. Um, remember, like, week one when we watched them trounce the Browns and OBJ was open a bunch of times and he couldn't be found. Right? Like, it can be had on this secondary. Uh, and Burrow is just, like, so safe to me that I really do think that the Bengals are so talented with Green and Boyd and Higgins that they're going to be able to throw him out there and Burrow's going to get a decent amount of yards, even if it's garbage time yards at some certain points of the game to make him real functional. If you've been using Burrow as your QB1, you probably don't have another better option. But if you're one of the teams who drafted a QB early and then Burrow later, and you've like uh, used him a week or two, I, I just don't think this is the week. Sure, you could have Stafford and Burrow when he's on a bye could have Rodgers and Burrow, and he's on a bye. Uh, Burrow's probably a better play than Rivers against the Browns, right? Oh, absolutely. Where is Jacksonville? Jacksonville has Houston, so is Burrow a better play than Minshew against Houston? That's probably about equal. No, I don't think so. Yeah. What about uh, Fitzpatrick? 
Uh, I, Fitzpatrick would be behind those guys for me. Yeah, so I think they're as far as streaming options go. Unless you're in like a six-person league, <laughs> uh, he probably still is one of the better streaming options, even against Baltimore. Our next game is Jacksonville at Houston. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Houston after the Bill O'Brien firing coming to this game. I guess lucky for them, they get Jacksonville, which they should be able to beat. Um, I like Deshaun Watson a lot for this game. I like Will Fuller a lot for this game. Me too. I think David Johnson should be able to have a good game here. I don't think I want to trust Brandon Cooks anymore. Uh, he seems basically droppable at this point. For for Jacksonville, still riding Minshew. Love DJ Shark. Love James Robinson. What about the rest of the guys? I think Chenault is nearing every week flex range. He's kind of just outside of it for me now. He has some production, but but not quite enough to make me want to play him every week as a flex. Okay, I guess I can get behind that. Um, I think that's pretty fair. That's about the same way that I feel about these these two teams. I definitely think that David Johnson's going to give a good number. Really like a guy like uh, Robinson as a DFS play for the week. I'll say that. That's probably a really good pick at a decent price. Our next game is Miami at San Francisco. We need to watch this game to see who's actually going to start for San Francisco because C.J. Beathard took over for Nick Mullins at the end of this last game. We need to see who's actually going to end up starting. Uh, I like George Kittle. I like Jarek McKinnon and Jeff Wilson a decent bit for this game because I think that they can run all over Miami. On Miami's side, I think Devontae Parker has just solidified himself as a every-week wide receiver, too, at this point. Yeah. And as you, you talked about before, you know, Miles Gaskin is involved enough, especially in the passing game, that he has to be looked at in the low-end RB2 range. Yeah, I also really don't think that San Francisco possesses the ability to shoot out Miami and take Gaskin out of the game plan at all. So I, I think unlike guys like Josh Jacobs who could get eliminated, so we've had a lot of those conversations where there's high-end backs that could get eliminated. Uh, Miles Sanders could get eliminated by the Steelers. I don't have any fear of that for Gaskin for this particular week. So he's another guy that I really like, um, especially again as a DFS play that I think is a good under the radar find here. It's just, can he get in the end zone and really, really help you out? Uh, San Francisco, I think, I think you're right. I think I'm okay with playing any of them. Um, possible play of the week for me. I may end up putting this in an article for the week, but I I think I might want to play Ayuk in, in a game like this. He has looked pretty darn good when they get the ball in his hands. They do, and it seems to almost not matter who the quarterback is. He just needed some time to get healthy at the beginning of the season and get his feet under him, and now he's off to the races. Uh, and we had talked a lot about how we thought he was a better option than guys like Ruggs and Rager. He was one of our favorite rookies, so he's kind of doing what we hoped he would do now, and I expect that to continue this week. Um, when you were talking about the running backs, no mention of Raheem Mostert. Should he be back this week? This is probably the first week where um, he'll be able to possibly play, but it's something we have to monitor. If he does play, I like him and McKinnon, but not Jeff okay. Wilson. Nice. Our next game is Indianapolis at Cleveland. And this is going to be a strength-on-strength strength game. Cleveland has the best rushing offense in the NFL right now. Indianapolis has one of, if not the best, rush defenses in the NFL. With all that said, you still got to rock Kareem Hunt out there. Uh, he's got great involvement in the passing game. He's a very good runner, as we know. And the way the Cleveland offensive line is playing, which is, by the way, the best in the league, I think that Kareem Hunt will still have room to run. I don't think you want to play Dearness Johnson yet. Uh, I think you want to pick him up and then see what happens in this game to make sure that that was a worthy investment. I think you could still play OBJ this week just as a wide receiver too. I don't know if the Indianapolis Colts have anybody who can actually cover OBJ. It's always going to be a matter of if Baker Mayfield is able to get the connection going with him on that particular day. On Indy's side... I don't think you're taking Jonathan Taylor out of your lineup just because of the volume standpoint. But otherwise, I'm not really interested in this offense. Really? The Browns have not been good at stopping much of anybody to this point. You don't think that Hilton could have a bounce-back game, that Cox 
has enough receptions to get his traditional touchdown and have some extra to go with it. Mo Cox is interesting from a streaming tight end uh, perspective, but uh, Trey Burton was healthy for this last week, and now it's kind of become like a three-headed monster tight end mess for Indianapolis. I still like Mo Cox the most, and I think he is their red zone threat. So I think he's kind of at this point where he's probably going to get a couple catches a game, but you need him to score. I do think that he has been entirely end zone dependent. It's just really interesting. It's really interesting to hear that perspective because this is a game where the Colts probably ought win it in all honesty. Like they should be able to contain the Browns run game enough. The passing game with Baker when they have to rely on it never works that great. It needs to be a compliment, not a focus for the Browns. So that that's interesting. If, if I look at this in a vacuum and I assume that Indy ought to be able to win this game, it's wild that we don't really have a play here that we think is viable, but I guess you're right. Well, the thing, too, is that these are two teams who want to run the ball nonstop. Even though Cleveland has scored over 30 points the last three games, this game could be a 17-14 game, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Like, I'm not sure how much offense there is to be had at all. T.Y. Hilton has looked bad. Phillip Rivers has looked bad. Like, I don't think it matters that Cleveland's defense isn't particularly great. We know the pass rush can get after it, so they could probably fluster Phillip Rivers just enough that there's nothing really happening there. Are the Browns going to be able to keep Jonathan Taylor from going crazy? I mean, the Cleveland rushing defense has been actually good. Uh, it's hard to, to understand that or believe it because it's probably been the worst rushing defense over the last 20 years. But they're actually playing really well. The strength of that defense is the defensive line, and it's playing out of its mind right now. Hmm. That may suggest then that we might see more of Neheim Hines than we've seen in the past couple of weeks would be interesting. So uh, maybe that's a guy I'll have to look into more for this week. Our next game is Giants at Dallas. This one's pretty simple. On Dallas, you're going to play everybody. You're going to do that every week. We kind of already know that. On the Giants, it's also pretty simple. I don't really want to play anybody. But I'll say in DFS this week, I'm kind of keeping my eye on Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton as they should be really cheap. And it's kind of like a you know, punt at both positions, but you might get something out of it because Dallas's defense is so bad. I actually really like that take, Wyatt, because I do think that there is some offensive points to be had here regardless of who plays against Dallas. So I could see maybe using Slayton in a deep league. Daniel Jones could be a viable streaming option if you really, really are kind of up against it through injuries or buys and what have you. Uh, so I could see maybe some viability there. I'm honestly not going to fault somebody for trying to play Evan Ingram this week either. Um, on the other side of the ball, you're definitely right. We're playing Lamb. We're playing Gallup. It's all systems go on all those guys. Schultz included, but I think I heard he was banged up. Is that true? He did get a little bit banged up at the Browns game, but I believe he is going to be okay for this week, and I do think Dalton Schultz is nearing tight end one status at this point. Yeah, it, it has been looking really good so far, especially at a position where, you know, like you missed a game from Jonu Smith. A lot of the other options, like Higby, had a blow-up game, and the rest have been pretty bad. So I'm starting to like it more and more as well. Our next game is Denver at New England. Big thing for this game is we need to monitor Cam Newton. I believe the word is right now is that it would be very difficult for him to be able to play in this game. He did turn out to be asymptomatic. I believe at that point he needs to have two pot, or two negative tests to be able to play again. But because of the timing of this being so tight, that may not be possible for him. So really, it's hard to give any real analysis for New England until we know Cam Newton is there. If he's there, I like Julian Edelman. If he's not, I'm not really a fan of anything here. Maybe Damian Harris, maybe James White. On Denver's side, it's going to be the same story for now. It's kind of Melvin Gordon, but we're not so sure about that. We saw some offense from uh, some of these receivers in this last game, but like, I'm not going to put any trust into Tim Patrick. You know, Maybe he's worth having on your bench right now, but I, I couldn't put him into my lineup. I think that's pretty accurate like I think this is a game we're just evaluating in terms of who here might make sense to pick up and use in coming weeks uh, there is an emergence of guys like Bird for example that could become viable fantasy options if they come out and have another good week uh, I don't 
think that we're going to see Cam Newton. And I think you're right that if he's not there, even Edelman becomes a sit. I don't know that I'd be trying to play Damian Harris. I just, I really think in this particular game, it's just Melvin Gordon or nothing. Our next game is Minnesota at Seattle. This should be a shootout as both of these teams have terrible defensive backfields. There should be plenty of passing to be had. I also think that Minnesota will try and keep the ball out of Seattle's hands as much as possible by just pounding Dalvin Cook. I mean, you're always playing Dalvin Cook, but I think that's going to be a big key factor this game. You definitely are still playing Adam Thielen. Uh, I think you have to rock with Justin Jefferson in this game, especially against a team like Seattle. On Seattle's side, it's really easy. You play Russell, you play Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Chris Carson every week. Yeah, honestly, they're about to be a fantasy factory too. Uh, I think you're right. That's just that you got the one point I really wanted to get in there and stress, which is I think you do play Jefferson. The matchup favors him to have another good week here. So it could be, dare I say, what would that be, three in a row of 100-yard games? If he gets another one, yeah. Yeah, it could do it. Seattle's the place to do it. I, w- I would not be surprised. The Monday night game is the Chargers at New Orleans. I'm looking forward to seeing Justin Herbert up against this defense. Uh, we need to watch and see if the New Orleans corners are going to be healthy for this game. Both Marshawn Latimer and Janoris Jenkins missed this last game. Without them, Justin Herbert could have some serious success against this New Orleans defense. And I really feel like Justin Herbert is not that far behind Joe Burrow. Uh, coming to the season, I wouldn't think or didn't think I'd be saying that, but he really is, at least fantasy production-wise, right behind Joe Burrow and is almost a streamable quarterback. Without Austin Eckler, I think it's going to be a tough going for Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson against his New Orleans defense. I wouldn't be looking to play Joshua Kelly as anything more than a flex, and I'm not willing to play Justin Jackson yet. I want to see what happens there. Keenan Allen is a must-play at this point, though. He's just getting just absolute loads of targets. On New Orleans' side, we have to watch to see if we're going to get Michael Thomas back. If he's playing, I would play him as a wide receiver, too. Coming back from the injury, you're always playing Alvin Kamara. And you have to keep an eye on Latavius Murray, who has been running the ball a good amount the last couple games. And he may be worth a flex in some deep leagues. I think that's dependent on Michael Thomas. Not that you're wrong. I just think it's dependent on Michael Thomas. Sure. Um, So I think you got it, man. I think that's exactly where I'm at for this particular game. Uh, Just I think it should be a good side note here, though, that because this is the Monday night game, if you have Michael Thomas, who are some guys you have to make sure you have on your roster in case you get to use him? Traquan Smith probably is available in a lot of leagues. That would be the perfect person to have on your bench to put in if Thomas cannot go. That is who I would be looking to have on my bench if if I had the option. Maybe Justin Jackson. I mean, if you're going to put Michael Thomas in your flex and wait till Monday night, you might find Justin Jackson on the waiver wire in a league. Um, Anybody else? Do the Chargers have another receiver who's maybe down the depth chart a little bit that you could use? I don't think anybody that you'd want to even take a flyer on at this point. Yeah, not even in the case of not having Michael Thomas, but that's probably it. So if you do have Michael Thomas, hopefully you get a chance to hear this before your waiver clears. See if you can get a guy like Smith or Jackson in case you need him. Well, that's going to wrap things up for our week five preview. It's going to be an exciting week with our first official buys coming up. Make sure to check out jwbfantasyfootball.com for all of our articles and rankings throughout the week. Talk to us on Twitter. I'm at YFB underscore FF. Justin's at JWill underscore FF. And the show's at JWB underscore FF. And we'll see you next time. As always, thanks for listening and happy week five.